Once again, happy to take you behind the U. And we've got a, a very special guest uh, who you know and, and see basically every Saturday during the college football season, Chris Felica, the Bear. And uh, well, why is he why is he a, a guest on a University of Miami podcast? Well, he is a, he is a, an alum, a proud alum. And Chris, thank you for taking the time. Okay, thanks, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. So we got to run through a bunch of stuff, buddy, because there's a lot of good stuff to talk talk to you about. First and foremost, who gave you the nickname The Bear? Uh, Lee, Lee Corso gave that to me. We were out in the uh, festival one year, and myself and Kirk were uh, having a, uh, a brunch in like the hotel lobby restaurant. And uh, anyone who has seen Kirk and myself uh, eat know that uh, any empty space on the table is wasted space. So uh, Kirk and I were, were having brunch while I woke up one morning, and uh, Coach came walking by back from his uh, his morning walk, and uh, he stopped at the, at the table and paused and, and basically announced his arrival uh, in the lobby, making sure everybody kind of knew he was there. And it was kind of university. He, he just he's not one of those guys like to sneak, who likes to sneak in undetected. It's like oh here here I am. So he yells, oh, Chris Felica, Kirk Curb Street, and comes on over and takes a look at the table and looks at me, and then he looks at Kirk. And he looks at the table and then he looks at me again and just says, look at you, Felica, you're just like a big bear. All you do <laughs> is eat, sleep, and I'll, I'll let your imagination yeah, gotcha. run wild on the, uh, on, on the third word. So, uh, yeah, ever since, ever since then, I've been the bear. You just mentioned Lee Corso. I mean, can you describe a more pure and unadulterated love that your show has for Lee Corso? It is, it is so pure, joyous, and happy. No, they're, they're, it really, it really is, and you can, you can tell. Uh, it's it maybe a little hard to tell this to just because coaches uh, doing the show from his home in Orlando, but just the care that, that and the massaging that Kirk just takes care of him, uh, kind of like a father or a grandfather type figure, uh, the coach's son that he is. And I've always said, and I think most people on our show have always said that uh, Lee Corso is probably is that probably he's the one irreplaceable part to our show he, he's the he's the unique the headgear character the the, the spontaneous have really know what he's going to say or do and everybody realized is we're just happy to have him given the, the stroke that he had a few years back and it was a time where we weren't sure if he was gonna make it back or not and we're, and we're so happy that he did and maybe he is not the humorous, spontaneous, quick-witted Lee Corso of 15 years ago, but at the same time, he, he still brings so much to our show, and just that the crowding, the, the end-all moment of the show with the headgear is still what people love about our show, and people ask me about the movie, hey, who's Corso picking this week with the headgear? So uh, that's still the moment that even, even the viewers look forward to. So you've been with the show since 96. Do you have a Corso headgear moment, or just any Corso moment where you were like, I cannot believe that just happened um well there was one time when he actually want, uh, well he finally did something this year with, with with a live animal but a few years ago he wanted to get a uh a, a live elephant at the university of alabama <laughs> for uh for, for an alabama show that was uh incredible uh, his uh his the, the stuff out of oregon with, with ducks have been like I, I cannot believe he's doing this and then Obviously, the, the the Carl Lewis uh, f bomb moment right uh, at the University of Houston was uh, was something where I, I was like I can't believe uh, that ju that just happened as well. But yeah, uh, they, maybe the wrestling 
match with Bill Murray there, where Bill Murray like hit a golf ball over my head at the end of the show with the with the flaming spear or the, the fake flaming spear, I should say, for the uh, Florida State Clemson game. That was, but he 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 comes up with some uh, with some unbelievable stuff and and how he the way the way his mind thinks and races is is pretty, is pretty incredible. So that's him. That's generally all him. Yeah, yeah. He, he well, we ha- he had we have some uh, production people that help him kind of write and massage him, but he usually does have an idea of, of what he wants to do with the headgear. And then, like I said, we have a we have our operations person that that kind of helps get the headgear and, and kind of maybe okay, well, we can't do that, but maybe we can do this or now nah, it's a little too far or. Or how about maybe we try this and he's all for that. But but he really is the uh, uh, the genesis of, of, of what he wants to do with the headgear. That's awesome. Now, uh, Herb Street was on a, a Sports Illustrated media podcast and, and, and Jimmy Trainer asked him, you know, best sign, which is almost like I don't even know how you could even recall over 25 mm-hmm. years of, of, you know, being on site and, and signs. And he goes, ah, I don't know, but you might want to ask the bear the next time you talk to him. So I'm not I'm putting you on the spot, but maybe not the best sign, but how about a few signs, memorable signs or signs that you're like, man, in a thousand years, I never would have thought of that. That is awesome. The, uh, the, the Florida State Peter, Peter War Gillard signs at the, uh, the Florida, Florida State game, I guess over what it would have been 99 when, when, when all that's happened. But that was pretty, uh, that was pretty funny. I, that, that to, to, to uh, to stray like politically or anything like that, but I can remember uh, when we were at the at, at the Orange Bowl uh, at the time was when the the Elian uh, Gonzalez uh, situation was unfolding, and, and someone out there had a had a sign that said even Elian loves the Kings. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm like that's, that's an interesting way to to to, to incorporate uh, current events and, uh, and and my heavy football game. That was a that was a good one. So yeah, the, the, those are two that uh, I certainly remember. And people, uh, people always like putting that whatever that like that, that space figure was, like the, the little pop up. He would he would pop up every now and then. But um, those are a couple of the ones that, that I that I remember that I remember getting a kick out of. So I know this year has been challenging, uh, but how cool! Just looking at the set, and I've been I've had the the good grace of God to be able to attend the event once but how heavenly was game day at augusta it was it was awesome and uh, it's an event that i have worked uh every master since 2012 so it was kind of it it was weird for me to be there and not actually working and covering the event but at the same time it was so cool to be there in the fall and see the course uh with, with the leaves changing a little bit and just see the the course conditions be a, a little bit different, but it was, it was, I thought it was, it was, we did a really good job of kind of uh, intersecting golf and college football and kind of showing the, the relationship between that, uh, the city of Augusta, the Augusta area, and that did have a college football background as well. And just kind of incorporating Augusta and treating it as a, like a college football kind of Mecca and a Mecca of sports uh, or a golf deck, I should say, and, and kind of in, intertwining it with that. I, I, I thought I thought the show was uh, pretty special. We, we've done shows from, from New York City, which really had nothing to do with a, a college football game that day, or an aircraft carrier, which really had nothing to do with uh, college football that day. So it, 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 those the, the people at Augusta National are college football freaks, and they love the show, and 
they were ecstatic when we uh, went to them and discussed the possibility of, of, of doing Yeager there that fog has fallen. And uh, it, it was kind of lived up to everything that we thought it could be. It really is. Just one time, I, I think I went there on a, you know, the one of the, the warm up days and you're just, you know, you hear it, you watch it, you see it. And then when you get on the ground, you're like, oh, my God, this place is majestic there. It is the television doesn't even do it justice until you get there. No, no, it's right. And, and the and the, uh, the spring, the, the spring bloom of all of, the, of the flowers and just you, you notice how, how still the water is and just the reflection on 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 Ike's Pond and some of the other uh, bodies of water. It, it's just kind of a just a, a majestic type place. It really is. So obviously, you know, where you guys go every week is a big deal. It's been a big deal for a long time. You've been part of the show for a long time. Walk us through how, how sites get picked. Who's a part of that process? Who makes that decision? Are you involved at all? How does that come to be? Yeah, you know, every week I put together a, uh, I, well, part of the season, I should start. I put together kind of a, a list of like what I view will be the biggest games of the season. <clears throat> excuse me, on, on, on a given week. So uh, every week I will wind up updating that list and, and, and sending that out on uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, but but it's, it's kind of a, a team effort myself, uh, the guys on the show, Kirk and Reese and before him, Chris Fowler, uh, the producer of the show. And then, and then kind of our boss, we, we kind of go to our bosses and just say, hey, this is what we're thinking. This is where we'd like to go. And they kind of say, okay, yeah, that sounds good to us. Or, uh, you know you know what, maybe this is a week where maybe we try and maybe go here because we haven't gone to a, a Big 12 or a whatever type of game. And maybe maybe we consider it and try and do a little something like that. But for the, for that, that happens very rarely. But for the most part, I think everybody involved in our show in the decision-making process uh, kind of has a a sense on where we should be and there are times where they, they've kind of been maybe yeah maybe you should and then go somewhere at the same time we're like no we, we, we think this is probably the right spot biggest a b c and d and we'll they'll be okay we trust you and then we want to go in there and it's a great show and they're like oh, you you are right and that's why they have the trust in uh where we where we go this year obviously has been a little bit different uh because we we have tried to eliminate or cut down, I should say, some of the travel between the game day site and the game that, that Kirk and Chris will be calling. But, but for the most part this year, we've been pretty much where I, I think the show should be just because the schedule hasn't been super great. But, but at the same time, I, I can't really consider a week where we were, I mean, people obviously the week of Augusta were, some people were upset that we didn't go to uh, a certain side or maybe another another game where there was a big game oh you should have been there so uh we we, we, we do as much as we can to make make it easy as possible this year but uh, on a normal year like the process will start to get kicking around on a uh, on saturday afternoon we'll be sitting around on the bus watching watching games and be like hey we'll have a list and be like okay we can go here 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 and then uh, like, as results start happening we're like well can't go there now maybe we shouldn't get out here and, and, and like it's funny how many how many different sites and twists and turns we wind up throwing out there uh, over the course of the day. And then usually uh, the decision is made uh, either late Saturday night, if it's pretty obvious, or uh, if we need to think about it a little bit more, it's late on Sunday morning. How cool was it for you, since you're a UM alum, when you guys came down here in 2017, the night of the Notre Dame game? It, it, it was really cool to see because I hadn't been on campus in quite some time. And uh, just to see 
uh, everything just how how the how the grounds have have evolved and how the school has grown and and updated just to just to be at the the university center there and just see everything around it and just how it was unfamiliar yet familiar like you, you see the the towers off in the distance and but to see everything else around it was really really cool and it, it did bring back a lot of memories from just my time just as a student there remembering like the path I would I would take from um, living at Mahoney to, to walk through across by Lake to go to CSR and and and, and go play duck hockey or 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 whatever or it like here my 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 class over here that they used to have a class over there all the communication buildings over here now like there's so so many different things that uh that, that that really brought my mind back to a really fun time. You guys have also done some cool stuff by going off the beaten path. Which one of those really kind of lived up to or exceeded expectations? The the the, the New York show was something where I was like I, I don't know if this is going to work. Like even I had a, a, a little bit of doubt as to whether, okay, it's a, 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 a show in the middle of Times Square where we're not going to be able to have as many fans as we can around us. We're going to be in the middle of Manhattan. Like I, I don't know if if, if this is going to work. I mean, obviously I'm going to do whatever I can to to make it work, but I, I hope it does. And I'm going to trust the people who think it did like that. That was one I didn't know if it was going to it was going to be pulled off, but it, it did. Uh, just with the pieces of that, the, the stories about college football in New York City and uh, getting different college bars in, in Manhattan or in, in the surrounding area uh, in, involved. And uh, again, it just, it just goes to show like, the, the creativity that our our producers and our show staff has and the, and the buy-in and just the, the belief in everybody involved in the show. That, that we were able to pull it off. So I, I went in being a little a little skeptical of that, but at the same time, it, it went is better than ever I, I ever could have imagined. Can you take me through a week briefly? Like, I mean, the, the amount of work that has to go into that show has got to be off the charts. Can you sort of take me through a week of getting ready for a show? I, I have it easy because I, I'm, I'm home and I get to, to prep for the show and leave on, leave on Thursday, but and do my work there and travel on Thursday and travel back afterwards. But uh, the, the, the people who have had to who really deserve all the credit are the, the, the people who drive the trucks from site to site. Like they, they, they leave, they, they live on the road essentially for, for, for 15, 16 weeks as long as we are on the road. Like the, the set will get packed up and as soon as the show is done and they, and they kind of go into a holding pattern and, and wait until they get uh, their, their marching orders per se as to where they should be driving. Uh, are they driving east? Are they driving west? How far do they need to go? Or if it's going to be potentially a month like the, the, the trip uh, the, the trip to Augusta potentially it was going to be in a spot maybe where game day could have been in Oregon and they would have had to have oh, driven, to a, <laughs> driven to Augusta and gotten to Augusta early for testing but uh, they, they will they will and they're limited by how far they can drive a day legally. Right, right. So, so it, it's um, Tommy and, and, the, and the crew that, that drive are responsible for the, the transportation of the set breaking down and getting there by uh, by Wednesday to to start building that set back up again. But those are the those are the people who you don't hear about, you don't see. Hopefully, at some point, we can give those guys uh, they their due. I would love to do a little bit of a little piece one week about uh. About, about their week and just try to show people what they go through. 
And then you guys as talent are all in, is it just all week back and forth, back and forth producers, talent, kicking ideas around? Yeah. Yeah. What well, we want to be, we'll wind up having a, uh, I'll put together kind of like a planner storylines email on Sunday, Sunday evening or, or Monday morning. And then Monday afternoon, we'll have a call to kind of uh, set the table for the week and, and kick around here. Are the, the feature ideas we're kind of planning on here are the, here are the big games here are the, here are the angles we want to work with. And then that kind of just evolves throughout the week. And obviously this, this year it's kind of evolved uh, a, a little bit more and been a little bit more unpredictable than normal just because of the situation we're in with games getting canceled. But uh, yeah, yeah, we will, we'll just kind of carry on throughout the week with, with, with emails and texts and uh, phone conversations about just, okay, they, they, we, this, this piece either fell through or, uh, this coach uh, can't come on. Uh, this this they got this guest kicker said no. What? But yeah, it's just a constant evolving uh, chain of communication throughout the week, and 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 there are there are changes that happen the day of the game on Saturday. So uh, uh, it, 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 it's it's a cool thing to be involved to be involved with the show from what we think it might be on Monday with the well, first call with uh, the ideas and the planning. It may be something that represents maybe 40% of what we thought that it might be on Monday. So I know you said you didn't have a title when we were talking before this, but it sounds like you're kind of executive producer and the picker analyst, whatever that role is on the show, the on-air role on the show. How did that evolve? Kirk and our former producer, Lee Fang, who is now uh, runs the college football project at ESPN. He's always kind of been pushing me to kind of do something on air in terms of picking games or, notes or stats or trends that they they saw my, my passion in meetings and just my knowledge of the sport and for the longest time they're like oh we need to figure out a way to, to get him involved in this and, and just uh, just show his knowledge and just to be, be a great little bit and I was always a little hesitant in doing it because I didn't want to be portrayed in a, as this loud uh, loud you know, kid from New York talking fast, arms swinging, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and uh, and then finally one year, when the, the year that our show expanded to three hours, uh, they were like, okay, no, you have no choice. We have need to fill some more time. Uh, you're doing it. All right, we got to rifle through some stuff because I want to I want to I want to squeeze in a bunch of stuff here before you have to go. And we, uh, Chris, we appreciate you doing this. There's one thing I've always wanted to know, and you mentioned it uh, briefly earlier. You were talking about scheduling uh, that, you know, trying to limit this year, at least with COVID, how far Kirk and Chris have to go. I know in years past, Kirk could be in one state and flies across the country to another state. How in the world does he survive a Saturday? Because uh, he, he, he loves and lives for the sport. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting deal. I mean, we, we all, there there have been times where we've woken up in in Oregon and we wound up ending the day in Boston doing a, doing a BC game. And you go with him? Yeah, uh, I go with him. Um, Maria uh, goes with us. She does the sidelines. Uh, Kirk Spotter goes with us. Our security, uh, one of our security gentlemen, he goes with us. So it, it, it's four or five of us that wind up uh, getting on the getting on that plane right, basically right after the show, and uh, and head from game day to the game. So depending on how quick of a turnaround we have, we can get to the hotel and take a little bit of a nap or watch some games, take a shower, do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, and then head right to the press box this year, or the the truck this year. As it is, again in, in the past we would have the uh, the all state bus that we just kind of sit back in and 
and kick in and watch some games for a little while, but we don't have that this year where we just have to kind of go to the hotel first or uh, write the site. But yeah, it, it's a, uh, this is the time of the year in, in, in late November where it normally does get a little, uh, it drags a little bit and kind of wears on you a little bit and, you, and you're kind of hoping for the finish line to get here with the season. But uh, we, we do it because we love it. And, and Kirk, uh, Kirk lives for the sport and, and, and lives for the opportunity to do game. They add the game. So uh, it, it, it's, it's pretty unbelievable what we do uh, this time of year. Time to brag about your coworkers. How talented is Chris Fowler and Reese Davis when they were game day hosts? The work that they do that nobody sees in, in the moment. Chris is, Chris is <clears throat> the most talented guy I've worked with uh, at, at ESPN. His ability to have a snarkiest an edge to him during a conversation to know what buttons to push to get the most out of his analysts. Uh, he's a perfectionist. I mean, I can remember there were times uh, where we would be in his hotel room writing the show till one one thirty in the morning uh, before the game. He, before the show on at nine o'clock on Saturday, he he would always be looking for. Uh, or we go to whatever local paper, look for a note or a nugget or some type of bit of information that was not out there, that wasn't in uh, our game notes that our research department puts together or something that we maybe had already, always looking for something new and fresh that uh, was going to make the show better. He was always about making the show better and, and, and the best that it could be. And, uh, he he's he did an unbelievable job. And Reese Reese's a different temperament, but just as efficient and just as dedicated. Uh, in terms of maybe maybe he's a little bit more conversational uh, with, with the guys on the set, but at the same time, his approach in preparation in in how he writes out the show, the the the, the care he takes in. And going through his taped elements throughout the throughout the show, his his the feedback that Reese's uh, I don't want to say strongest suit, but one of the things that he does far better uh, than Chris ever did was uh, the feedback and watching the show back, and and just a detailed email of every segment going through sharing it with, with, with everybody. Here's what he was thinking. Here's what I could have done better. Here's what we could have done better. Uh, but but he, we, we always say like when th- th- we knew there would always be a time when, when Chris would run for the show and like the only person that we w- knew would be able to step in and do it seamlessly was Reese. And I think it certainly showed. Kirk is the face of college football, but is there an underappreciated part that people maybe gloss over that they shouldn't seeing that he is both an analyst or a host or, or, or a co- you know, analyst of the game day. And obviously the lead analyst of, you know, your primetime package. He is the, uh, what we see on camera. That's the type of person he is every, every day, 24 seven. He has the keenest sense of awareness uh, of, of any of nearly anyone that, I, that I've seen. Certainly the guys, on, on the set, he can. There, there could be something going on, like off the set, or maybe I'm doing something. He'll be. Oh, oh look, look at Bear over there. Bear, Bear's got some. Uh, his still steel magazine out, 
and or and or there there must get something going on like because I'm like not paying attention to the show or hey look off to the side and say look look at the look look at the band member over there with the with, with the tuba like his his awareness of his surroundings is pretty incredible. And he's obviously obviously I mean it goes without saying but his skill set is unmatched considering he's he's at the top of his game in two different prominent roles. Yes, yeah, and for for him to be able to go into from from game day mode to game mode so quickly is is pretty incredible. And and then during the game as well, just kind of uh, we've had so many blowouts uh, on our ABC primetime game to to be able to go from uh, like game analyst mode back into like game day mode to talk about and be more conversational about all of the other happenings that that are, that are going on in the sport. Because our game isn't necessarily uh, you need to break down every play anymore. It's pretty incredible. But he is a he is a super talented, super good human being. All right, Chris. Now you know we got to tie this all back together, right? It's the Behind the U podcast. You're a UM alum, so you're a, a kid or a guy or a kid at the time from New York. How Miami? Why Miami? Was there was there a fondness for Miami growing up, or was it just hey, I'm going down to some warm weather and sunshine? I always knew I wanted to be involved in a big athletic program and, and be in or near a big city. And uh, I, I knew, and I wanted to be involved in, in, in communications as well. So I, I, like Syracuse, obviously something to be a good kid from the Northeast. Everyone always looked at Syracuse and I uh, went to Syracuse and during the summer. And then um, a couple of weeks later, I went down to Miami and saw Miami. I'm like, oh, this is, this is where I, uh, this is where I need to be. And I actually wound up getting uh, early admissions into Miami. And I actually knew uh, before my uh, enrolled, before my freshman year, that I knew I was going to have uh, an internship or a student, student uh, assistant uh, work study in the sports information department. So uh, it, it all came together uh, pretty quickly for me. I can remember putting together a uh, a little bit of a, some, some writing that I had done for my high school paper and my, my high school had a TV show that I wound up doing some stuff and I put together a little bit of a package like after I got admission uh, accepted into Miami I put together a package and sent it down to the uh, the SID department and I can remember getting a phone call back from uh, someone in the SID saying oh you, you, when, when you get here uh, you'll you, you, we absolutely want you to get in touch uh, you, 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 you're, you're set. And then when you come to a couple of years later, when you get to know Kenny Lee and Tom Pirro and John Hahn and Larry Wall and uh, everyone at the time. Legends, the legends. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going right down memory lane. And, and then they, they get to know you and they tell you about, I can remember when, when you sent us that stuff, we, and, and Rich Dalrymple got it in his office. We popped that video in we saw everything we were like oh my god this kid he is one of us we gotta have it and they, and they basically shared like the, the laugh that they had at my expense like being so the little they, bear that was the exactly, you were the little bear back then exactly, exactly. so passionate to, 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 to be involved in that so uh it, it was good to know that i uh that i that i that i struck a chord with them right off the bat so were you all four years dennis uh yes yeah dennis yeah dennis dennis, yeah, dennis all four years the 90 the 90 football season was my first year so best best memory as a as a student best memory as a student being a Canes fan. Uh, 
I, w- I would probably winning the national championship and getting a national title ring. In, uh, you got a ring. 90- yeah, I do have a ring. I, it was one of the, the perks of being nice. Uh, being, being in the in the SID, but yeah, getting that ring, beating Nebraska in the Orange Bowl, twenty two nothing that year in ninety one to 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 win the title. I, I would say that would be uh that would that would that would probably be the obvious number one. I, I think the uh, I think that nineteen ninety two uh, Florida State game would be would be would be another one. The the wide right two game. Uh, I, I have to just remember the the, the Orange Bowl just being. Noon, early afternoon game, packed, humid. Uh, the, the place shaking after the uh, the Michael Barrow hit on uh, Tamarack Van over. So that was that. That uh, in terms of a game, that, that game kind of had everything. You're a historian of this sport. We are biased down here, but is the 2001 Canes the best of all time? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, absolutely. I, I I don't. You look at a team that can hold up throughout the the, the test of time in different eras in college football. Uh, like like that's the perfect that, that's the perfect team offensively and and defensively the the way they approach the approach the game and it was funny someone had uh tweeted out something the other day about the uh, it was the uh, the the anniversary or the to the day of this day in history like of the of the two thousand one uh, Miami Washington game and I think of from the era of the two thousand to two thousand three or so that was probably uh, if not my favorite game one of my favorite games. Uh, just because of the, the payback from the year before the loss uh, in Seattle and Ken Dorsey's first road start and, and and just kind of the whole oh Washington beat Miami the year before why shouldn't Washington go play Florida go play Oklahoma why does it have to be Miami I'm just kind of like that was a beating that was a beatdown that, 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 that was a uh, that was as bloodthirsty and hungry and animated of of an Orange Bowl crowd that I can remember. And uh, that, that was a that I just loved every second of that game. It was as ugly as it could have been and should have been, and, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. All right, as a fan of the Canes, what pains you more: the '87 Fiesta Bowl, or the '86 season '87 Fiesta Bowl, or the '03 Fiesta Bowl? Uh, both Fiesta Bowl. So '87 or '03? '03, because it was just a a terrible. I mean, I mean the the '87 Fiesta Bowl. You got to give Penn State some credit. I mean they. They forced Vinny into some bad throws, and somehow they they managed to to win a game that they 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 were outgained dramatically. But at least there wasn't a horrible, terrible call where the game was over, and then you call a team that just thought they had defended its national championship. Uh, hey, oh no, 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 sorry, uh, pass interference. You got to come back onto the field and play as fireworks went off and helmets are on the field and people are all over like, like that. That was just a, a terrible call and and, and, and an injustice. And, and the other the other one that that I mean is, is up there as well as the '88 Notre Dame. Notre game. Dame, yep. And, and, and that there's no way in the world that was fumble. And uh, they, 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 so that that I'd even write the uh, the '88 Notre Dame game in South Bend uh, as a, as a more horrible beat than uh, in terms of just feeling devastated than uh, than that '87 Fiesta Bowl. All right, last thing, when, when the crew's talking about the Canes, I mean, everybody wants the Canes back. Football's good when the Canes are back. It's been a while. Hopefully they're on their way. What is the crew talking about? What are you guys talking about? What, what, is, the, what is the word around the Miami Hurricanes in 2020? Well, it, it, it's, it's hope. And it, it's, it, it's, I think people are seeing a positive uh, upward arc here. I, I think and you saw it with the, uh, the Virginia Tech game. You saw it with the the NC State game, and these are those are games that 
three or four, well, maybe not three, but, but like four or five years ago, they weren't winning. Those were losses that were that we, they were in a position maybe to win and they would either blow a lead or not make a big play late. Uh, we, we've seen with, with, with Derek King now, his ability to, to, to come through and make big plays and, and win games that maybe maybe the, these teams in the past wouldn't win. I, I think that that's, that is such a positive for this team right now that uh, that, that certainly bodes well for the future. They're, they're, they're really young in, in, in some key spots. And I think if Manny can, can keep recruiting and get this thing on, on, in, in, on the right path, uh, look, I'm not naive enough to, to sit here and, and say Miami is going to be what Miami was uh, in the 1980s or from 2000 to 2003, uh, just, just because of the national landscape now and the different teams uh, that, that have popped up and kind of are here to stay. But uh, there, there's no reason why Miami should, at the very least, not be uh, in the ACC championship game, uh, not, if not every year, uh, every other year or something. The, the recruiting base is too fertile. The history of the program is too fertile. It's kind of baffling. And I mean, obviously, there are many reasons why they they they, they fell down for that period of time that they did. But uh, I, I would certainly hope and think now that um, uh, this is a team that once we get back to a little bit of normalcy next year with the, with the normal ACC divisions or so, uh, that they, they should be considered the, the favorite in the ACC Coastal probably every year. I mean, North Carolina is obviously doing a uh, great job as well. So I think Mac Brown and the Tar Heels are going to be a, a team to, to contend with. But uh uh, they, they should certainly be in the mix every year. All right, last question. If I can convince Cameron Gorby, assistant AD communications, to pull this off, if he can get you a personalized UM jersey that says the bear on the back, but you have to pick the number that goes on the jersey of your favorite player from however many years of fandom of the U, what's the number going on the jersey? It, it, it's Ed Reed. I mean, Ed, Ed Reed exemplified everything. Uh, that, that, that's good about Miami. Uh, just his performance on the field, his leadership ability, his, his dedication to the school, the time he came into the program and, and helping bring the program back. And now it, it's kind of come full, full circle with him. Uh, the fact that he's back now, kind of giving that mentorship role to kind of instill what, what those players went through in building Miami back up then kind of kind of instilling that wisdom with these guys right now. So uh, yeah, it, it would be Ed Reed. And then the, that a close second would be the, um, I, I think, I don't know. I'm not sure if people remember like Warren Sapp wearing uh, number 76 yeah. for Miami. Like, 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 like that's a great Jersey. And uh, like the people, the obviously wear that number in the NFL, but we're just seeing Warren Sapp wear number 76 in Miami. That, that, that was just like a perfect number. I mean, he had, People talked about like Indomitian and Sue and some of these great defensive uh, years. Like really, like like that year that Indomitian Sue had, that was probably the the most dominant defensive year uh, by a player since that since Warren Sapp in like in like '94. Because I think people forget how great of a college player uh, Warren Sapp was. He, he was just a, an unbelievable player. All right, the Bear, Chris Felica, thank you so much for your time. You, uh, we could tell stories for days. We had a job to do, so uh, we're going to let you go do it. Appreciate you coming on behind the U and telling some stories, both, both behind game day and behind your time at the University of Miami. Chris, thank you. You're quite welcome.